Well, good evening, Bay City. Isn't God great? Hey, I just love the worship. Thanks, guys. I mean, do you really believe that you've got Satan under your feet? Hey, do you really believe that? Do you live life like Satan's under your feet? Hey, um, I want you to turn to your Bible in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. I thought I'd start off with a testimony. Who likes testimonies? You know, God is so good. And, and, and I'm going to talk tonight about faith. And um, the great thing about faith is that you get to grow in faith. So even if you start out on a journey and something happens and you fail, if you pick yourself up and try again, then God likes a trier, somebody who is willing to put themselves out there no matter the cost. Okay? It's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you pick yourself up. So, you know, for me, my, my, me and my family, I've got a wife and two kids, um, aged five and six, and uh, we're kind of like a one-income-ish type family. But um, recently our car decided to give up the ghost, okay? Um, we we kind of like cracked the cylinder head, to put it plainly. And uh, we didn't have any money to buy a new one. And we were looking at all the options. You know, do I take out a personal loan? Do we buy it in the business? Do we take out something against the mortgage? But really, I just felt God talking to me about paying off my house, not about getting more debt and buying a new car. And, um, and so I just kept saying to my wife, I will not go into debt until I have a peace from God. And, and so, so that's what I did. I stood in there. And there was a, I have to say there was a lot of opposition, particularly from my wife. You know, she says, you don't know what it's like. You know, I've got a business to run. I've got to take kids to school. It's easy for you. You just bike to work. And I said to her, well, I've been biking to work for eight and a half years. It's, you know, <laughs> but I wasn't going to go into debt, all right? And I had a piece about that. I really believed that this is what God was talking about. And he even confirmed it. I was biking home from work, and um, I felt him say to me, oh, nobody, nothing but to love them. And I thought, yeah, that's it, you know? And I had a lot of good intentioned friends, Christian friends, that were saying to me, no, 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 that's about friendship. That's not about debt. There's nothing wrong with debt. You get good debt and you get bad debt. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, it doesn't witness to my spirit. I don't feel a peace in my heart. And, uh, and, and on another day, I was busy biking home again, knowing I'm, I'm going to have to come home. My wife needed a car that night to, to do some business. And I'd, I'd ask God, I said, please, I need a car. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know who to ask. Help me out. Give me a name or make something appear in the driveway when I get home. And uh, <laughs> anyway, as I was biking home, I felt God say to me, call in the money. Now, I know that's not scriptural. And I didn't, straight away in my heart, I thought, that's weird, you know. But I thought, this is one of those opportunity, uh, occasions where you get to obey what God tells you, okay. And so I just out there said, God, I, I don't understand, but I call in the money. And straight away, he gave me this. He said, the right car at the right time at the right price. And I didn't think anything about it. I thought, oh, that's weird. It's probably just me. Anyway, as I get home, a friend of ours is driving, pulling out the driveway. And, oh, I know who that is. And she stopped. And as she stopped, before I could even say hello, how are you? She said, I just felt God say I needed to give you this. And she handed me something. And before I could even have a look and see what it was, she said, I was going to give it to you tomorrow, but he told me I had to do it right away. And it was a $100, one of those Visa cards, you know, those um, um, pack and save money voucher type things. And I just, it blew me away. And I thought, okay, God looks after the little as well as the big, okay? And that was on the Tuesday. By Friday, and by the way, I didn't have one car that night. I had two cars waiting for me, all right? Okay. God looks after us, okay? And, but to cut a long story short, that, that by Thursday night, I think it was, it wasn't Friday, Thursday night, 
somebody has given us enough money to buy a pretty good car. All right? God is a great God. I have to say, I didn't have any framework of reference for that. I didn't, I, I, was, I didn't know how God was going to do it. I had no expectations. All I knew is that I had to stand on the Word of God. Amen? All right, Hebrews 11, verse 1. I know this off my heart. I don't need to look at my Bible. It says, Hope, uh, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And, uh, you know, this is just in line with everything that I'm busy walking through with my family at the moment. It's kind of like bigger than just faith, but... But tonight, I felt God placed in my heart that He wanted me to talk about faith and how good He is and how faithful He is, okay? He doesn't call us to faith um, and let us down. He never lets us down. I've never had an experience where um, God has let me down. Can I get an amen? All right? Amen. Good on you. So when I started doing my little walk of faith recently, because these are the questions that I had in my mind. You know, how is it that other people are so big in faith. They walk in faith. They pray and there's miracles. They believe things happen. And I don't. You know? and, and, and in any case, what does it look like? You know, how do I get it? You know, if it's something I've got to do, show me what I need to do. And I, I've had the head knowledge. I've had the head knowledge about it all. Who here knows the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge? Huh? The head knowledge tells you, oh, I need this for a time. And when you finish using it, you kind of like forget about it, don't you? Your heart knowledge, well, that's different. That's about an experience. When you experience something, then you don't need to remember it anymore because you'll never forget it, okay? And you are able to recall it whenever you need to. So for me, that was what I wanted. I wanted to go from the head to the heart, my heart. God calls us because He wants our heart. He doesn't want our money. He doesn't want our time. He doesn't want our services. He wants our heart. So, so faith is a substance of things hoped for. You know, what I discovered very quickly was that um, faith needs a hope. To, get, to have faith, you've got to have a hope. Who knows what hope is? Okay? Hope is a desire, a dream, a vision. How many people do you talk to and you say to them, are you doing what you wanted to do when you left school? You know, when you were at school, did you have a dream or a vision? Be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a teacher, be a pastor. Me, I wanted to be a few things. <laughs> One of them was an industrial psychologist. It sounded pretty cool. Um, Another one was a pilot. I wanted to be an astronaut. I lived in Africa. We don't have a space program. So that wasn't going to go anywhere. But you know what? I, I did. I, I did have a hope. I had a hope. I had a dream. And, um, and when I, I look back on Facebook at all my friends that I was at school with, most of them are doing what they dreamt of. Some wanted to become engineers. They became engineers. Some wanted to become doctors. They're doctors. Some you know, wanted to start a computer business. They got a successful computer business. But you know what? things came to fruition for them. And, um, and the, reason, the reason is obvious. They had substance to their vision. Okay? Um, that first part of Scripture says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So uh, what does substance look like? Because obviously, if I take this water, I can see. There's water in here. It's in a bottle. It's, it's, there's substance to it. Um, you can see it. So if faith can be seen and felt, what would that look like? I've got used to asking a lot of questions, which is what I'm not used to. Well, I've never used to been doing that. But, but So I ask God, what does substance look like? What does substance look like? Well, substance is passion, isn't it? You talk about it. 
You know, I, I want to become a doctor. I, I love working with people. I love fixing things. You know, I love fixing people. Uh, I used to play doctors when I was small. You know, you talk about it a lot. It might be a, like in Habakkuk where it says, write the vision down, that he who sees it may run. It might be something that you've written down. This is my future. This is what I plan to do. So that every time you think to yourself, what is it I want to do again? And you can look at it. Oh, that's right. It's clear again. Um, when I've written things down and I go back over it, I find myself making new and fresh notes. There's a better picture that comes across. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't want a red car. I want a blue car, you know, and, and I want mags on it and, and, and a sunroof, you know, like the, the picture just gets bigger and bigger. You've got to take a new picture. When I gave my heart to God, I was on fire. I loved God. I was passionate about God. I couldn't stop talking about God. But you know what? If you don't have a plan for your faith, if you don't have God's plan for your faith, if you haven't bought into that vision, if you don't get that substance, then very quickly something's going to come and rob you of it. Okay? I said to you, when I was at school, I wanted to become an industrial psychologist. And you know what? I let people steal my vision. Okay? Admittedly, I messed around at school. I was more into sport and my friends. But, you know, God gave me a second opportunity to fulfill that dream. And it came along the way of, of a diploma. I, I, uh, I, I took a diploma. It was the first start of a degree, an operations management degree. And if I had have completed my operations management degree, I could have then specialized in industrial psychology. Now, what industrial psychology is, is it's to do with mainly industrial areas, um, industrial processes, where... Maybe a company is not running that well. It's starting to make a loss. An industrial psychologist gets to come in and, and process the whole layout, how people are working, how fast they're working, how many are on the line. Um, is it the right line? Is it the right way for the product to be flowing? Maybe we need to change the way the product flows. Um, are people laboring too hard? You know, all those kind of things. Are they paid too much, too little? And you get to analyze that whole process and begin to... Um, Kind of like doctor, be the doctor of the industry and, and fix things. Say, so you've got too many people here, you've got too few people here. Change this, change that. And that's still in my heart. I still love people and I still love process. But when I was doing my diploma, um, people had said to me, Brett, you're not very academic. You should rather do a trade. And I believed it. Now, that person had no value in my life. They didn't know me other than a, a, on a casual friendship. But I let them talk to me about um, what my, God had placed in my heart. Because every single one of us here has heard from God. I want to tell you now, if you think you've never heard from God, you've heard from God. You've got a design in your heart, and God has placed it there. He's spoken to you. When you are out there doing what God has created you to do, then you are fulfilled, and you are happy, and nothing is like impossible for you. Okay? That's when you suddenly realize that it doesn't matter what my circumstances are like. It doesn't matter what my boss is like. I love what I do, and nothing is going to stop me from doing it, okay? All right. So, you know, I just, again, I'd, I'd like to share a testimony of, of just writing down the vision, okay? The importance of this. Before, before, yeah, I started working at Waddy's eight and a half years ago. We used to, look after. I'm an electrician by trade. So electrically, I look after all the breakdowns. Myself and a team of, it must be about 18 of us, of, over the whole King Street site. All right? And um, that's quite a big block. It's Frederick Street all the way down. It could take you about 15 to 20 minutes to walk all the way down if you wanted to. But about five years ago, they decided that they were going to give us an area of responsibility. Okay? And um, from a Christian perspective, I saw it as my metron, my area of influence. 
And, um, and so I decided that when I got there, my first thought, I have to confess, my first thought was, do they want to fire me? You know, if they, if they don't like me, just tell me, I'll leave tomorrow, you know. This department had a reputation of having one of the worst guys to look after the mechanical side. He never looked after the mechanical side. He never looked after the, the people side of things. But the, the department was run down. It was Stone Age equipment, and it only ran for three months of the year. So that meant that the managers, the, 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 top, the, the top boss and, and all his cronies, they weren't interested in spending money on it either. Um, to, to spend money on a department, they want to make their capital back within three years. And um, if your department's only running for three months of the year, that doesn't look good for their profits. So what I did is I went around, I started auditing all the equipment, all the motors, all the nameplates on there, what, what drives I had, everything that you can imagine. I wrote all down, everything down. And then what I started to do is I started to dream. I thought, what would this department look like if I had all the money in the world? And, and I started putting things up like touch panel views. You know, panel view is just like a, it's like a monitor, your computer monitor, except you touch it and things happen. It's really cool. And I'd have, I'd have panel views everywhere, new PLCs, which is just the, the whole um, computer side of, of the workings that run the whole side. And, and so I, I had this plan. I called it my living document. It was actually my five-year vision for, for seasonal area. And I called it my living document because I knew it was going to change all the time. But I thought, this is what I want to happen. And I started really brooding over it. That's a good word. Brooding over my plan and just having a look at it and, and saying, you know, I need new things. How is this going to happen? I would start having plans. If this broke down in the middle of the night, this would be my backup plan. It just, I really got a sharp operation going. And within two years from going, I went from having the worst department with the highest breakdowns, even though it only ran for three months of the year, to having um, a department that nobody heard anything about. There was plenty of mechanical breakdowns, but electrically, they couldn't put anything on me. The only time that we were ever caught at departments, if they overloaded the belt, which is an operator issue, operation issue, pardon me, or if um, there was sticky belts, which meant that they hadn't wet the belts down before they started it. So that was in two years. In five years now, the seasonal department is one of the top departments. It's got the best um, gear in there, high-tech gear. I went from having so-called life-expired stuff to having brand new. Everything's brand new. I've got a brand new beetroot plant. We went from 4,000 tons of beetroot a day to now this season, I think we're going to be doing 17,000 tons of beetroot a day. You know, th that is the power of writing down a vision, okay? That is what you and I need to do with things that God places in our heart. You need to write it down, okay? You want to create substance. So, so you know, th this just didn't come naturally for me, because what those five years did is it, it kind of like it did, it wore me down. I allowed things to affect me without asking God into, into the situation. I, I chose to try and fix them myself. And, um, and so just a short while back, I, I was reviewing my life, if you want, and found that actually I was a bit of a roller coaster Christian. Does anybody here identify with that? You know what a roller coaster Christian is? First you're up, and then you're down. <laughs> okay? First you're up, you're having a great time, and then Life sucks. You know, you just barely drag yourself to work. I hated work. You know, my, I had words like, I hate my job. I just want to get out of here. I can't. This isn't me. I'm not a fixer. You know, like, I could go on and on and bore the living daylights out of you. But, you know, God began to speak to me. He said, Brett, I'm, I'm going to give you three keys that you need to sort out, okay? And the first one was my words. He says, 
we read out of Proverbs um, 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And um, I didn't know how to do it. Like I said, I had a lot of head knowledge, but I was grappling. I thought, oh, I'm supposed to know this. I'm supposed to know this. You know, I've been a Christian for so long. I'm a leader. I'm supposed to know this. And, um, but I, I, I remember hearing Pastor Joy talk about Joyce Meyer in a book that she wrote called The Battlefields of the Mind. And I thought, I don't have 30 bucks to buy Battlefields of the Mind. And when I got there, it was 35 bucks. I thought, but I don't care. I'm going to get it. <laughs> so I went and I bought the book. And um, as I was reading it, I think I only got as far as chapter 4. But by chapter 4, everything about my words and why I say my words and, and just a bit more of a revelation about what was going on in my heart began to um, just manifest itself, if you want. It was like an outward demonstration of um, what I was actually believing and what I was thinking. And I think Joyce Meyer calls it stinking thinking. You can't put it any other way. And so I began to work on I began to work on one thing. Um, when Jeff Wickland was here in June last year, he said, does anybody here, can anybody here change 1% a day? And I thought to myself, I can change 1% a day, all right? And so I thought, I'll take one bit of stinking thinking at a time. So I took one thing, and I worked on it. Every time um, I found myself wanting to say it or saying it, I would stop myself, and I'd walk away, and I'd go, and I'd just confess to God, and I'd say, I'm sorry, I'll try again. And, and that's what I did. I just worked on that time and time again. I, I looked for ways, or I looked for little telltale signs that told me that I was about to go there, things that were going to trip me up, little snares. And I would begin to develop plans if I couldn't avoid them, or I'd avoid them totally. And so, so I began to change 1% at a time. You've got to remember that your, build, your words either build faith or they destroy it, okay? And, um, and people, people can see your heart. They can see what kind of a person of faith you are by your words. You want to be careful of your words. Um, I read a book once, and I should have known this, but it, it was called Hung by the Tongue. And uh, don't let your tongue hang you, all right? Um, so I started, I started down the avenue of words, and um, it, it wasn't long before I started finding that actually things weren't going so good. I was having a certain amount of victory, but there was something else that was tripping me up. And so, again, asking God, what is this all about? What is going on? I'm doing what you told me to do. And he said, you don't have any joy. Joy. Oh, my word. Okay, what does that look like? You know? I, just, I, I really chose the I'm a little kid option. You know? like, if I'm going to learn this, you know, I, I'll ask all the dumb questions, get them over and done with. But I, I want to learn. I want to pick myself up. And I want to I be a man of faith. Okay? I want to be a man of faith. Who wants to be a man of faith? All right. So, oh, water. Excuse me. Substance abuse. <laughs> so, so then God brought to mind a time where Ian Clayton had taught us, I think it was in an elders meeting, about joy. And I thought to myself, what has joy got to say? The only verse of scripture I knew of joy was, the joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I didn't even know where it was. I was thinking, oh, maybe it's either in Philippians or it's in Psalms. And, um, and so I got the concordance and I started peeling through the concordance and I found it. It was in Nehemiah, as it turns out, and, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it goes along the lines of, Then the Lord said, eat the, sweet, uh, eat the fat, drink the sweet, give to those for whom nothing is given. Do not be sorrowful of heart, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Who says that's a great scripture? That is a great scripture. You know what got me? Not the joy of the Lord is my strength. Eat the fat. 
drink the sweet, and send portion for whom nothing is prepared. That spoke about generosity in my heart. You can't be joyful without being grateful or thankful. Okay? So if you want to be joyful, look around to see who you can bless. This was written at a time where Israel had been in captivity. Nehemiah had begged the king to send him back to have a look at Jerusalem and then seen the state of it and then began the whole journey of going back, rebuilding the city that had been burnt down, facing opposition, working all hours of the night, standing God with one sword, digging with another. You know, these people, they'd spent a lot of time in hard labor. Okay, They were probably run down. They could have been tired. But yet God just gives them this little tick of approval, you know. I am your strength, okay? Not what you think you had back in Babylon, not back in captivity where things seemed right. I am your strength. I will give you the fat. I will give you the sweet. Those are the things in my mind, they were exclusively reserved for, the, for, for God and his sacrifice or for kings, okay? But God calls us to eat the fat and drink the sweet. Um, so, that was only part of it. You know, Ian had taught us in there that we needed to go in to God's presence, apprehend the, 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 the joy, and then to come out and be administers of his joy. Now, for me, my joy depended upon how people treated me and how my outside circumstances looked. Never really thinking about how God sees me. What does God's joy feel like? You know, as soon as I started asking questions like, God, what do you feel like? How do you feel about me? Those words that they said, what are your words about me? You know, what is your outlook on this situation? And um, a significant thing happened is that I just felt God saying, you know, use the tactics that the enemy is using against you, against him. And, and so for me, that just meant that whatever they said to me, I, had to, I just stood there, let them say what they wanted to, and then just ask them a question about it. And it floored them every time. You know, wh- why did you say that? It's interesting that you say that. You say that you're not getting service from me. You say that um, nothing's being done. You called me to a problem on the plant an hour ago, but yet there's still a problem. And I said, okay, how did you call me? <laughs> I hadn't received anything yet. You know, who did you speak to? Was it on the radio? Did you phone me on my phone? And then as soon as I started talking to that person, then then I realized, actually, they were just throwing daggers, or they were just, um, there was no real truth in it all. You just had to stand, stand your ground, okay? Stand your ground. With the joy of the Lord, you're taking what God says about you, and you're administering out of that. Today, when I stand in the workplace, it feels like I'm a ship on a, on, on a flat duck pond. You know, there's no waves, it's quiet, but most of the time, there's a massive storm raging on around me. And people are losing their temper and they're carrying on. But all the while, I'm able to walk in peace, you know, bring peace into a situation. So many times I've got an operator who's flustered because she's frustrated that nobody's helping her. And everybody, all the managers are there. They're all just creating an issue. And I'll come around, stand with her, talk to her. And within a minute, she's smiling. (laughs) She's got the joy of the Lord. She doesn't know it. And she's telling me what's wrong. And we've sorted out the problem. Okay. Organized chaos is sometimes what creates a lot of our problems. And uh, you don't have to stand in it, okay? The devil is a defeated enemy. And when you stand against him, when you don't give him the high ground, when you keep the high ground, then you begin to develop some substance in your character. 
Just, you know, know what drains. It's the last note on that. Just know what drains your joy, okay? What is it that is going to steal or rob you of your joy and your thankfulness? And uh, for me, I found out it was my pride. Part of it was my pride, and the other part was um, he doesn't deserve it, <laughs> okay? He doesn't deserve what I have to give him. And I had to rethink what I said and just choose to be a blessing, even if they didn't believe if, if I didn't believe that, that they deserved it. Because God loves us all. Who believes that God loves us all? Come on. Okay. Just And lastly, if you are doing the first two things, if you are, are, are working on your words, going to Scripture, finding Scripture there that counteracts the words that you're saying, finding positive things to say, if you're looking for the joy of the Lord, what God has for you, and you're ministering out of what God has got for you, then basically you're doing number three already, and that's spending time in the Word. Okay, For me, spending time in the Word, there were two things that I hated hearing as a Christian. And one was, you must read your Bible, and the other one is, you must memorize Scripture. And I said, why do you say that? You know, Everybody says that, but I've tried to memorize Scripture. You ask me a week later, I can't remember what's going on. I try to read my Bible, two or three months down the line, you know, I find myself not reading my Bible. It, it was so frustrating. But, you know, just what God told me in this season, he says, Brett, it's like a vitamin. When you start taking vitamins, do you see any result? No, you don't. In fact, you probably don't see any results for a while. But then suddenly you find everybody at work is not so healthy. They're, they're not feeling so good. They're all sick. They've got flu. How are you feeling? You're feeling great. Your system, your immune system is built up. You're strong. He says, the Word of God is like that. And I can testify to that. Leading my men's group, you know, we sit there and the guys are talking. They're going through issues and stuff is just coming out of me. You know, like in the Bible, this is what this says. You know, that's not true. What you're saying is wrong. The Bible talks about this. It just flows out. Why does it flow out? Because I persevered, even though I didn't understand or I thought it wasn't going in. Everything that I've learned is in here. It's starting to become a revelation of the heart now and not something of the head. But the more, the more I'm able to walk in it, the more I'm able to um, just share what God has placed inside me. Every single scripture that I've ever learned is coming out all the time. There's not one scripture that I've learned that I haven't used already. And, and what it does is it builds anticipation and excitement. It builds um, a hunger in your heart for more. Suddenly, you want to read the Bible. Suddenly, you want to memorize Scripture. You know, I, what, I, what I do, I, I take Scripture and I laminate them. And I carry it around with me. And, and when are the times that you're not doing anything? Because at work, you, you're carrying tools, you're doing breakdowns, you're busy. Well, when you go to the toilet. <laughs> if I'm on the toilet, I'm reading my Scripture. If I'm um, sitting down, do my maxima, which is how I do my timesheet. I stick it up over there so I can read it. Um, at one stage, I'm sticking it in my boot. You know, just I'm walk on it if I have to. But, you know, I just wanted it around me all the time, okay? The Word of God is living and it's powerful. And uh, you want to use it to change your life. What I find now, all the time, that um, as this has become more and more of a revelation to me in this time, that God wanted me to journal, okay? I used to teach in the New Christians course, and I used to, and one of the courses was the Word of God, and I used to tell people things like, oh, you know, journaling is really good. You know, you want to journal. It's got all the benefits, blah, blah. I personally don't journal, but you want to journal. You know, it took about <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. But, but you know what? That I picked up a book once. This is probably about four years ago. Um, the Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. 
And um, it was a great book. But you know what the problem with the book was? <laughs> it was all about journaling. And, and as I read it, I thought, that's incredible. What he spoke about is that you don't just read the Bible from A to Z because you've been told to read it. He says, inside it, there's a whole bunch of people inside here that had an experience of life. And you're going to go through every single one of those experiences. All you need to do is go to God and say to him, who in the Bible is going through what I'm going through now? And what keys did they use to overcome? And so as I started doing that, as I started reading through it and making I found I was journaling. And I was loving it. You know, I, I began to ask questions. I'd never asked questions before. I didn't want to look stupid. But I just figured, you know, God's the judge and the Holy Spirit's my advocate. They're probably quite comfortable with all my questions. So I, I just asked lots of questions. What is this about? What is it about Moses? My most recent one is Moses in the burning bush. You know, like I'm thinking God's about to elevate me. He's about to give me a a grand commission. But actually what God has been talking to me about is about all the buts. God tells Moses he's going to do these great things. But I will be with you, says God. But Moses is saying, oh, but I can't speak. But I can't do this. But I can't do that. You know, God talks to you in your time. And uh, if you listen and you take what he gives you, you know, this becomes far better than any novel that you're going to read, okay? This is living. Your novel isn't. So journaling is definitely um, something that, that, for me, I've developed in my life. I've been journaling for more than four years now, and um, I've just learned a new way to do it with Mark Verkler, hearing the voice of God, and it's just way different. <laughs> and I could never understand how people said, I heard from God. <laughs> oh, really, how did you do that? But you know, you can hear from God. And if you, choose, if you choose to take God's Word and to honor and value it, to read it, to meditate on it, and to determine in your heart, I want to get something out of this. Ask God, show me what I can get out of this. Show me what you've got in here for me. Begin to interact with God and your Word. And you will find that you will be taken to a whole new level. You'll find that suddenly when you see Pastor Mike or Pastor Sergeant or Pastor Lynn or whoever standing up here and being prophetic or, or, or talking specifically into an area, you will understand, oh, I know where he gets it. I know how he got that. That's the wisdom of God. He got that out of the Bible. Instead of thinking, whoa, he's really clever. <laughs> okay, It's for you as well. This is all for you. You can stand up and you can take this faith. You can begin to grow your faith in ways that you cannot imagine. I cannot believe how far I have grown in my Christian walk. It's been a bit slow at times, but as I've purposed in my heart to trust God, to, to value and honor His Word, He has given me time and time again keys, keys to walk in faith, keys to believe for, for things that I didn't think I could ask for. Okay? Please. This is... This is this is the Word of God. It is living and it is true. It is powerful. It is for you and it is for me. Every single one of us here can hear from God. You can walk in a greater measure of faith than you did yesterday. You can do that today. And tomorrow it can be even better. The next day it will be even better. I like to think in exponential terms. What's it going to be like in a year? Where will I be in a year? If I choose to work on one thing today, then tomorrow on another thing. I want every eye closed and every head bowed. You know, the walk of faith is something that is for everybody. It doesn't matter what your walk, uh, what, what um, nationality you are. 
It doesn't matter what your experience is. It doesn't matter if you've got money or no money, whether you're man or woman, young or old. God, is, God has created you. God loves you. He wants you to love Him back. It's perfect love. He doesn't force you to love Him. You get to choose to love Him. So I want to say tonight, if there's anybody here that does not know who Jesus is, has never asked Him into their heart for fear of being laughed at or thinking that maybe this wasn't for you, I want you to think again. I want you to think about a God that cares about you. He cares about whether you have a car, whether you have two cars, whether you're looking for a wife, whether you need a job, or whether you just need somebody to love you. He's that person. Nobody else, nobody else can fulfill what God has got in your heart, the place that He needs to occupy. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity tonight. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to respond to the love of Jesus. I would not be up here if this wasn't real. I would not follow something that was folly or that wasn't real. God is real. God is real. If you have not asked Jesus into your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Put your hand up in the air so that I can see it. Nobody here can see you doing it. The eyes are closed. You will feel, thank you, I can see your hand. I can feel what it was like when I first put my hand up. There was, a, there was knots in my stomach. I didn't want people to laugh at me. There was a lot of pride there. But you know what? By taking that step of faith, I've never looked back. When I put my hand up and, and I went forward and I prayed the sinner's prayer, God moved in my life in such a big way that I would never go back to where I was before. I thought I had it good. I didn't know any better. God loves you, people. God loves you. And He wants only the best for you. He calls us His sons and His daughters. I'm going to ask Cody. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Can you come to the front? No? That's cool, dude. That's cool. If there's anybody else over here and you feel that tonight you want to renew your walk of faith. You want to stand up and you've determined in your heart that you're going to go and you're going to change 1% today. That there's a, there's a part, a faith, a walk. There's something that you've got to change. You've got to change something in your life and it's around your walk with God. I want you to raise your hand or even better to come up to the front. You know, God has something for all of us. Whether you're old Christians or new Christians, He wants us to grow in faith. He doesn't want us in the same place today uh, that we were yesterday. He doesn't want us here in one year's time. He wants us walking in what He has given us to do. We can grow day by day. We can build those muscles of faith. So I want you, if, if you feel that you've maybe found yourself on the ground and you haven't got up, I want you to pick yourself up and I want you to come to the front. Okay? There's no embarrassment in this. Trust me. I've done it a lot of times. The more you do it, the more resilient you become. The great inventors of the world, they've failed many times. What makes them great is that they carried on trying. God is trying. There's a cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. They're shouting, come on, you can do it. 
You can do it. Pick yourself up. It doesn't matter. You're nearly there. Come on. You can do it. You can all do it. This is for all of you. Every single one of you. This is for every single one of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearts that are open to you. Thank you that you are the King of glory. You are the King of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. We're going to pray for you right now. Everybody stand. I want you all to stand with us. And we're going to ask some of the leaders to come forward to pray for these people up front here. It's not too late to come forward, okay? It's not too late to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If there is any of you inside here that heard my testimony and you need a miracle, this is the opportunity, okay? This is the opportunity. You can take my miracle and you can... You can come off it, okay? You, you can receive the same. Just as you're standing here believing that God is going to move you in faith, my testimony might have encouraged you. You might have felt a stirring in your belly. You might have thought, yes, I need that miracle. Come forward. Come forward. This is all about you. God knows your situation. He knows your circumstances. He is not surprised about where you're at. But it's up to you. You've got to come forward. This is about your walk of faith. This is about you claiming what God has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just continue to worship while we're uh, just ministering to people up here. If you have a specific need tonight you might pray for, please feel free to come up. We're so glad you came. So glad you've been in the meeting tonight. God bless you. All right. So, so, hey everybody. Don't worry. Hey everybody ask you to stand with us as we pray a salvation prayer, okay? And I want you to say it out loud with us, okay? This is a great opportunity. This is an awesome, awesome privilege, okay? So Cody, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner and I confess that I've done this my own way. I want to do it your way. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. He died on the cross for my sins. And he rose again on the third day. I receive your grace and your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, give him a clip again.